millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live and 2024. We're so thrilled to be here. I'm so thrilled to be here. Welcome back, everybody. It's our first live show of the new year, and we had a show that was scheduled. The very last Ask Dr. Doreen was going to be the last show of the year last year, and I got sick. I got sick. I was horribly, horribly sick, and I think I'd been fighting something for a couple of weeks, and oh my gosh. You probably can still hear it in my voice. I, I was sick the whole time, all through the holidays. Hey, Susie B. Uh, so uh, you know what they say, the rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated. I am, I'm alive. I, you know, it was just, and it wasn't COVID, you guys. It was whatever that creeping crud that, um, and man, I got it um, but the, in, a, in, a, in a big way. Uh, so if you've been sick, I'm sending you hugs. We're all going to get on the track for health uh, in, in 2024, and we're going to feel better. But you know what it does? I will say this. It makes you so grateful for when you have health. It makes you grateful for all the good things in your life. I, I had so much. I was just saying to Chris Desmond, our fabulous Chris Desmond, uh, who we're so happy is, is back from the break. Um, I was saying to him, you know, it gives you a lot of time for introspection to think about, okay, you know, what do I want to be doing with my time, you know? And I missed the show. I really missed you guys. I also want to say, too, there were so many things that were planned for that last episode uh, that we, we had a big plan that we were going to say happy birthday to Laurie from Autism Journey with Elijah. It was her birthday that day. Uh, we had a big surprise for Dr. Graham Pichet that I, I had them actually film her opening the present that had all the notes from you guys, and we're going to try to show that video tomorrow. Hopefully that works out. But also I want to say that um, Lori and Autism Journey with Elijah had sent us a card which actually hadn't gotten here on Monday, and we were, gonna, we were hoping it was going to be here on that Tuesday so that we could, I didn't know what it was. She said something is coming. But it's this beautiful card that says Merry Christmas on it with this lovely handprint. I love handprint art. I do. Um, but you open it up, and I'm going to put it close to my microphone so you hey guys. Hey, guys, it's Eli from Autism Journey with Eliza. And I'm wishing everyone Merry, Merry Christmas. I want to say to all my friends and family, thank you for following my page. I really, 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 all the love. Thank you for showing support on my page. I hope we have another year together. I hope to see you around soon. 
is that not the sweetest thing you've ever heard in your entire life? Um, and I wanted to make sure that I played that on the show and thank them so much because this is a precious, precious thing that I'm going to love forever. But I also, it's a reminder to me about how quickly time passes, right? There, there are only a few years, you guys, where you can, you know, get the handprint. We can do this with all of our kids. Um, and, you, and there are so much handprint art. You can go on Pinterest. I love that it looks like Rudolph. Um, but I remember one year, I think it was first grade, that uh, my son's teacher for the holiday gift, we got a calendar for the next year, and each there was a handprint for each one of the months that was something thematically um, <clears throat> in place for the, the calendar. I, I still have this. I, I can't part with it, right? Uh, it's such an amazing thing because our kids grow up so fast. Autism or no autism, they grow up fast. But also to capture this little voice, my sister you know, had three kids many years before I ever thought about having kids, and she always said that, audio taping your kids is the most amazing thing. And I poo-pooed that a little bit and said, no, let's videotape, because then you get the audio and the video. But there is something so precious about our kids' voices, wherever they are in time. And I, I cherish everything that we've ever recorded of our son. And, I, and I'll tell you something, especially with the boys, you know, they get to a certain age, and one day they have their little boy voice, and the next day they don't. Audio tape, you guys. It's a really good thing. Hi, Sobia. So thrilled to have you here with us this morning. So listen, you guys, um, we've got a big show planned for you today. We've got a wonderful autism expert who's going to be joining us, Cassie Gonzalez. She was with us, I, I think, in 2022 to talk about a new project that she was working on that was in the works, and now it's a thing that's happening, the STAND study, and she's going to be talking with us. Hello, Gibraltar. I, I hope I said that right. Uh, so thrilled that you're here with us. Um, she's going to be talking with us about what this study is, who can be involved. I will give you a spoiler alert that if you live in the state of California, you can be involved. But even if you don't live in the state of California, you're going to want to hear about this because um, I think this is important information, especially for people who have newly diagnosed children. Uh, we're going to do the jargon of the day in a minute, and then we're going to take whatever questions you guys write in as well. So we're thrilled to be here. I also want to do a little programming note that um, tomorrow we're back with Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampichet will be here, and she'll be answering your questions. You can be sending those in to me uh, directly, Shannon uh, at autism-live.com. Uh, you can write them in here. We'll store them for tomorrow. And we do have some questions already in the bank for tomorrow. Uh, that'll be wonderful. The topic tomorrow that we're talking about is diagnosis um, because that's a really important topic to be talking about. And then on Wednesday, Moira G. Mateo from Taka is back. That We're going to do a Let's Talk Movies with Shannon and Moira. We've got a lot, Moira and Shannon, excuse me. Uh, we got a lot of movies that we're going to talk about and some uh, very, you know, that's a passion project of ours. But we also talk about things from the perspective of being parents of uh, kiddos. Kiddos, they're young men now on the autism spectrum. So I like to refer to myself as a pony, parent of a neurodiverse individual. I don't know, uh, tell us how you guys like to refer to yourself. When people are asking, how, you know, how you, I used to say I was an autism mom, and then my friends, 
that are actually on the spectrum and mom said, you know, it's kind of confusing. Could you lay off of that? And I went, oh, you're right. That doesn't aptly discover, dis describe. So I switched to pony, parent of neurodiverse individual. Um, I love it. It makes me feel like I have a ponytail and clearly I don't, but would like to. <laughs> Not enough to grow one. Um, but, you know, I have to get like, a, like one you attach. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I digress greatly. I uh, want to say welcome to everybody. If you're watching us for the first time, we're so thrilled that you're here. Uh, the show is meant to be interactive. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on for you. We, our show is for that larger autism community, which starts always with individuals who are on the autism spectrum themselves. We welcome them to be here and to have a voice, a part of everything that we do with the Autism Network. And we have lots of programming that is specifically from them. Uh, because we feel that that's really important. Um, but we also include in that community everybody who loves those individuals. We're talking about parents and siblings and significant others and practitioners who are there to help and support those individuals. We feel that that whole community with the people on the spectrum as the beating heart and everyone who loves them, that this whole community deserves support and respect and consideration and we try to provide information and inspiration for that entire community through the programming that we do. Rodney, good morning. So thrilled to have you here. Please feel free to write in questions at any point, you guys. We um, have certain shows of the week that we do that we like to do something that I fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention there are so many different ways to be watching the show. We're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other places. But the show will podcast. We have, I think we're moving into our 14th year of uh, providing this kind of uh, information in podcast format. So you can find us any place that you, any platform that you get your podcast. We are a free download. That's really important to me and has been important from the beginning that this information be available to you where you can find it for free. Now, it isn't free information, of course. It costs us money to be able to send this information out to you. Every time you download a podcast, it costs us money. That's the rude reality of it. But we're so grateful because we have sponsors who help to defray that cost. We're always looking for more sponsors. If you have somebody that you know who would like to be a part of our programming, we're always interested in that. But when you listen to podcasts, you do get regularly placed, you know, you guys know the drill because you listen to lots of podcasts. You get advertisements. And we hope that you will listen to those and respect that because that helps us to keep the programming coming to you. Now, many of you have written to us and said, but Shannon, I'm busy and I have a lot to do and I want the information and I do have a little bit of money. I would rather get it for free and pay for it myself. So we heard you and you can do that now by going to glow.fm slash autism live. Here's the fun of this. If you do this, it's $5 a month. If you pay for it for the year, it's less than $5 a month. And you not only get autism live, but you also get Ask Dr. Doreen. So, you know, you're, you're basically getting all the shows for $5 a month with no cost, uh, with, with no, excuse me, there is a cost to you, but no advertising. <clears throat> excuse me. So if that's something that interests you, you can do that, although the information is still available to you at absolutely no cost, and I love that. Uh, but we need sponsors, so I'm putting that out there for 2024. We need lots and lots of sponsors for us to keep the wheels turning here. Okay. 
Uh, we hope that you will participate, and we love it when you guys write in and ask questions. That's our favorite thing, right? So anyway, we're starting with the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are these experts talking about? Why should we bother to learn these terms? Why are people bugging us with this? Uh, can't we just use everyday terms for this? Well, I will, I will tell you that when you start to understand the jargon, it, it is so specific, it helps you to be able to understand exactly what it is that we're talking about. So our jargon term for today, I thought long and hard about this, about what we want to start 2024 with, and I chose errorless learning. And let's see if you can figure out why. So let's go to our actual definition for errorless learning, which I chose to take from Wikipedia. <clears throat> It says, errorless learning was an instructional design introduced by psychologist Charles Furster, which I didn't know, in the 1950s as part of his studies on what would make the most effective learning environment. B.F. Skinner, which is probably a name you guys are more familiar with, was also influential in developing the technique, noting that, this is a direct quote from him, errors are not necessary for learning to occur. Great, wonderful, thank you, Wikipedia. I have no idea what, uh, what it actually is, though, and what does it have to do with autism, uh, <laughs> right? Errorless learning, you know, it sounds great, though, doesn't it? Because it is great. So let's move on to our working definition, which is where we water it down a little bit and see if we can't begin to understand. Um, it's a teaching method that ensures the learner gets the correct answer and thus experiences meaningful reinforcement. Okay, well, if you don't know what reinforcement is, we're still up a tree. Um, so imagine this for a second, because I'm a former school teacher, that we have many ways that we can begin to teach something to somebody. Um, we can begin to teach it by making the person fail. We can say, we can say here's the thing, now, now you figure it out and you do it, right? And when they get it wrong, we can tell them, no, you got it wrong, and we can begin to teach them. We can do that, and we do that with, in a lot of different ways um, with a lot of different students. Okay, but is that the most effective way to teach? The fact is that the research is in, and it isn't the most effective way to teach. If you see, um, and as a former school teacher, I can tell you, <clears throat> most of the time now, the... The, and this is talking about teaching anyone anything that one of the most, uh, I want to say popular and researched, and that's why it's popular, methods of teaching something is to first do an assessment to figure out what somebody knows, right, where you're giving them the answers. Um, so, and, and I know people go, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to give a test and give the answers to the people uh, on the test. How is that learning? Well, the truth of the matter is it is learning because what's the goal here? Do you want to trip somebody up? Do you want to tear down somebody's self-esteem or do you want to teach them what the thing is? And if you truly want to teach someone what the thing is, then giving them the answer is a great way to start. It's not the only thing to do to teach somebody something because just telling somebody, well, you know, the answer to, you know, I wish I could come up with some equation, but <clears throat> I'm not a math person. But the answer to the question of who wrote uh, Catcher in the Rye, that I can do, right? The answer to that is J.D. Salinger, right? Now, if I just leave it there, then I'm expecting the person to memorize the answer, right? 
And that's not what I want for true learning. I want for true learning to be that somebody internalizes it and it's something that becomes knowledge that is theirs, that they can pull up at any opportunity, right? But I can start by telling them that that is the answer. Okay, great. So errorless learning says we're going to give the answer, but the purpose of the errorless learning is that we're going to get to meaningful reinforcement first. So we're starting with this equation that <clears throat> I'm going to give you the answer, and when you regurgitate it to me, I, you know, you're going to get something that's meaningful to it. What does this have to do with autism? Well, many studies have shown that kids on the autism spectrum, like everybody else, by the way, are more likely to learn if they're successful. Is this a big duh for everybody? Does everybody just go, well, yeah, why wouldn't, of course. If you're successful at something, think about something that you wanted to learn how to do that you went, oh, I really want to learn how to do this, right? And then you went to do it and you weren't very successful at it. Let me ask you something. Did you stick with it or did you stop doing it? A lot of times people don't stick with it. Why? Because they didn't feel successful. They didn't feel like, oh, I'm probably not good at this. When the truth of the matter is, is that sticking with it and getting through the hard part, maybe they would have gotten good at it. Like maybe you wanted to be a drummer and you got the drumsticks and then you didn't have the immediate innate talent because almost nobody does, right? It takes a great deal of practice. And if we don't make it reinforcing enough for you to make it your own skill, who wants to stop and do that? Not a lot of people. There has to be something reinforcing about it to get through the hard part. So errorless learning says, we're going to give you the answer, we're going to make sure that it's reinforcing for you, and then we're going to keep giving you opportunities to be able to internalize it. That's what errorless learning is. So what does that look like? In the beginning, it looks really ridiculous. It looks like somebody putting a car on the table and only a car and saying, touch car, and taking the child's hand and going over and touching the car and going, good job, good job, you touched the car, nice, and ruffling their hair and giving them a hug and going, yes, it looks ridiculous, you guys, it looks absolutely ridiculous, and I remember the first time that somebody said touch car to my son, I went, get me out of here, what have we signed up for, why on earth would, would this, I want my child to go to college, and we're starting with touch car, I couldn't see how touching car and making it errorless for him was going to get him to college. Spoiler alert, it did. <laughs> you know, um, But errorless learning for our kids on the autism spectrum, when you see it, it looks redonkulous. But it actually helps build self-esteem. It helps the child to know, I, you know, I'm, I do things that are right um, and that I, I can do things that are right. And it, and it builds that relationship um, up to learning. It builds the relationship and the trust with the teacher. And a lot of times people go, oh, but it, you know, it, feels, it just feels so much like we're, we're dog training. Except that that's if you only did that step and never did the stuff that came after it, right? What it does is it opens the floodgates and tells the child, you are right. You are right. Did we help them to be right? Sure, absolutely. That's humane is what that is. That's good teaching. And um, is it very specific for kids on the autism spectrum so that they understand that's what you did that was right? Yes. And that looks weird. But over time and as you do other parts to the lesson and start to discriminate, which means that sometimes 
the child isn't going to be right, although we don't focus on that as much as helping them to be right. Yeah, that's how you get to good things. So errorless learning is going to look wonky, but it's really good. If you want to have a child be successful, have good self-esteem, and feel like they're capable, errorless learning is a good first step, not all the steps. All right? So there is that. And I'm a little bit late already. We've got to bring in our first guest, our only guest today. Um, so we talk a lot on this show about how do we better prepare parents for all the things that will happen once their child is diagnosed. And I'm so thrilled to welcome back to the show Cassie Gonzalez, because um, she's going to be talking with us about a very specific study that she's doing. Hi, Cassie. Um, and Cassie, tell us a little bit about, first about you, um, because you are somebody who, you're on your way to your PhD. I know there are better words for that. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good morning, everybody. Um, so I am a fifth-year PhD student in clinical psychology at University of Southern California, and I study clinical psychology. So I focus on autism spectrum disorder, specifically helping families connect to appropriate and helpful supports and services. Um, I also am a sibling of an autistic adult. I have been working in the autism community for pretty much as long as I could call myself an adult for the last 12 or so years. And um, I'm just really excited to be able to use that information to develop new supports and services to fill in the gaps that I've noticed while I've been around all of these lovely folks. Well, I, I have this theory that um, a lot of times people will write into the show and they'll say, uh, you know, I have, I have a child that's on the spectrum and I worry about my other children um, mm -hmm. and what, that, what that's going to be like for them. And, you know, obviously we appreciate that concern and we always want to be helping people to understand how to get the whole family involved and not have other children feel like they're left out while some of the ther therapies and things that are intensive and some of the attention that needs to be given to the child on the spectrum. But I have this theory that I always say, you know, siblings of, uh, th that have uh, siblings on the spectrum, the siblings turn out to be some of the best people on the face of the earth. And you just proved the point, Cassie, because I feel like all of the siblings that I know are, are all the things that we would want to front load a person in order to be the best possible person they can be. They tend to be really compassionate people who are really giving and they're, they're very willing to see people for who they are, not for who everybody wants them to be, right? Um, I, so, and I, here you are, case in point, and they're helpful. They want to be helpful. Some of, the, some of my favorite people on the planet are siblings. Um, so thank you for proving the point. Well, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to do my own research study uh, proving that <laughs> siblings end up being the best people on earth. So, okay. Uh, aside from that, though, you've been working on this project. Um, it's called the STAND study. Tell us what STAND stands for. Yeah, so STAND stands for Support and Training on Autism for Newly Diagnosed Families. Okay. It is a virtual parent training and support group. Okay, so, and we need to be fair out the gate and say that right now, not necessarily forever, but right now, this is available 
for families of newly diagnosed kiddos in the state of California. Yep, that's correct. Anyone, any family whose child has been diagnosed in the past year. Okay. So that's the criteria. If you live in the state of California and it's virtual, so it doesn't matter how far away you live from Cassie, um, you can participate in, in this, what is a study, but really um, it's an eight-week godsend for parents of newly diagnosed. Tell them what happens during the eight virtual weeks. Yes, yeah, so for those eight weeks, we meet for one hour a week, all virtual. It is a group of three to six parents and the facilitator. I'm the facilitator, so it'll be me. Um, and so we cover a lot of information that is helpful for families to know in those initial months. So we talk about just basic information about what autism is. We help parents create a framework to create goals that are relevant to them. There's so much information out there about what parents should and shouldn't do. And so we help parents narrow down what it matters to them, how to prioritize for them. Then we give them information about supports and services. We give them information about understanding behavior and communication, understanding emotions. We help parents figure out how are they handling all of this? How are they interacting with their child, interacting with the service system? How parents talk about autism to the people they love, to people they're advocating with, and generally planning out the future. So we cover a broad range of topics, but we are able to help parents work on goals that are relevant to them. I, it's all amazing to me. I always think of it when a family has a child that's newly diagnosed, I always think of it like a backpack because this mm. family is packing to go on a journey and, yes. and everybody's journey looks different, right? So everybody's backpack looks different and what you pack into it. But there are, I always talk about this on the show. I say, I want to put this into your backpack as you go, right? There are supplies and things that you want to put in the backpack to help somebody on this journey that is not going to be 10 minutes long. You know, this, this is a lifelong journey, but especially the first couple of years, this is some intensive stuff. Um, and preparing the family, we, you know, first of all, it's the kind thing to do, uh, to prepare a family to know, like, what do we, like, I think that most families, when you get the diagnosis, you, you're not already an expert in autism. That's, it's very rare, right? So to prepare them for what is going to happen, what choices do I want to make, what's the insider information that I need to know, really, really critical, critical stuff. But there's a whole other side to it that I, I love you talking about, you know, what it feels like, because I think that that's the bigger thing. Can you talk a little bit about, because you've, you've already done one group of this, right? We've done two groups of two them. Two groups. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Forgive me. You're moving and shaking, Cassie. Okay. <laughs> so talk a little bit about what, what families have found in the first two groups. Yeah, so I think your point about people feeling different places at the start of this is so true. So we have parents who are familiar with everything, they have some expertise, and we have parents who are really just learning everything from the start. And no matter how much information they know, 
every little new information can cause an emotional reaction. There's a lot of different expectations on parents. There's a lot of worries about, am I doing right by my child? Am I doing right by what's important to my family? And so throughout the groups, we talk a lot about how people are reacting to things and how this information might impact them and their family. What parents have told us is that a lot of the magic of the group comes from just being around other parents. It is so valuable to be around people who are experiencing the same thing that they are. They oftentimes, parents in the groups talked about common things they've heard said to them or common frustrations. And they all, I think every single parent said one of their favorite parts, if not their favorite part, was meeting other parents and hearing that information. They also all said that they would recommend the group to other parents. And so um, the parents that we have spoken with really, um, they said that they've learned quite a lot and that that community has been really pivotal for them in these early stages. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I remember years ago when my son was just finishing his ABA program, asking to, I was asked to go to a parent support group just to be there. And, yeah. and I remember at one point I, somebody asked me to say something and I said, well, you know, I remember what I wanted when I was at this stage and I just wanted somebody to tell me, raise their hand and say, I survived this, you can survive this. And I'm okay and my kid is okay and you're going to be okay and your kid is going to be okay. And, I, and I, I said, that's what I wanted to hear. And everyone started to cry. And I, mm-hmm. and, and I remember afterwards somebody saying, I didn't realize how big of a thing that was. And I said, I didn't either. I thought it was just me. Um, but I, I, th- I think, you know, seeing that other people are managing is a great diffuser of the stress. Because here's one of the things that's bugged me forever is that, you know, there are all these studies that are done about parents and caregivers of children on the spectrum, and it shows that we have a higher level of stress. Depending on which study you're looking at, you know, there's the, the big famous one that compared it to uh, the stress of people who are in active combat, soldiers in active combat, right? And um, what bugs me about this study, though, is that people take that study and go, oh, parenting a child on the autism spectrum is stressful. And I feel like they miss the point there because it isn't the child that causes the stress. It's having to negotiate and deal with all the other stuff so that you can do exactly what you started with, Cassie, where you talked about providing for your family, supporting your family, not letting your family down. That's where the stress comes. Those feelings of, oh my gosh, is there something that I don't know and that's going to impact my child? Um, So I love the fact that this isn't just a, a, a data dump where you'd say to parents, here's all the information. You've got eight weeks to space it out so that they can, and they can hear from other parents so that their backpack can be fully packed so that they can go on their journey and know more than they would have known before. So as people finished your eight weeks, what kinds of things, you know, like, do you have any sense yet? Is it too early to know about how the decision-making process was for those families when they left your program? 
Yeah. So our family, so the part I really love about our program is that families worked on goals that were really specific to what they needed. And so a lot of families, so we, we have everyone create us one small achievable goal every week. And so throughout the eight weeks, families make great progress towards what's important to them. And so we are still analyzing the data. We only had a few people, so we can't make big statistical summaries yet. Yeah. But um, a few examples might be helpful. So we had um, in the same group, two different parents, one of them who was in this horrible battle with the insurance and getting the ABA services. And throughout those eight weeks, we helped her, you know, establish what it was okay to ask for, what she was looking for, and made real concrete steps and the negotiations with insurance, getting ABA started. And so was far down the road of getting the, her child services. Another parent in the same group um, was handling a lot of medical co-occurring um, problems for her child and wanted to really focus on building a connection with her child, um, despite having to kind of be the enforcer of medication at doctor's appointments. And so every week the goals focused on that. And she described at the end having a nice warmer more like friendly and fun relationship with her child. So you can see how different parents all filling up their backpack. I love that analogy. Um, while also really kind of addressing the thing that's hanging over them and really making them feel like they're in a nice place for that. So I'm looking forward to continuing to have groups and seeing on a larger scale how stress is impacted, how confidence is impacted, how their connection to their child is impacted but with our individuals, we're really seeing um, a nice movement towards what's important to them by the end of those eight weeks. Yes. And so you have a, one of these groups starting soon. Is that correct? Tell That's us correct. about that. Yes. And we are starting, uh, we are actively recruiting. So we will be recruiting all throughout 2024, but we are hoping to start our next group early February. And so we are our lines are open. We are taking families. We are happy to answer questions about the study, what it might look like. Um, but we are hoping to get started as soon as possible and make 2024 a good year of parents um, knowing what to do and supporting their children. Chris, are we able to put up either the flyer or the, there's the flyer, you guys. This has all the information on it, including um, some of the places that you can go to enroll or to ask more questions. Um, and we're gonna leave that up for just a second. We also have a link where people can go that we can put on the screen and it is in, there it is. Um, the link is also in the description for uh, the show so that you guys can uh, be able to go directly to that and be a part of. Now, it, it's a study and you guys are taking data on it. Um, is there a cost for the families, Cassie? There is absolutely no cost to families. And so um, if it's okay to talk about the study aspect, yes, so talk about the, the reason it's a study is we want to see if this is effective. We're doing this um, study, this program, because we really care about um, helping families in this situation. And by making it a study, we are hoping we'll be able to expand it to hopefully parents beyond California to beyond 2024. And so there's no cost to parents. We just ask um, for a few data collections. So we send you a survey, we have you do an interview, and the data collection we do before and after, 
And we have a $20 Amazon gift card that we give as compensation for your time because we know that the parents we're asking time of are some of the busiest people on earth. Yeah, yeah but you're giving them such value. Uh, I have to say, you know, I can't wait. I'm so impatient. I can't wait until the study's all done and then you can roll this out to people not in California because everybody needs this. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for me, I always laugh. And, and we should say that uh, you are, we had Dr. Jonathan Tarbox on the show in December and that you have been working closely with Dr. Tarbox on this project, correct? Yes. Um, so your pedigree couldn't be better. Um, I also want to, I want to say, because Autism Journey with Elijah has joined us, and I think you missed the beginning when I played your son's card. So you're going to want to go back and, and watch from the beginning, um, because I played the whole card. It's so cute. I appreciate it so much. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, I do want to say that this is such a value to parents. So if you, ha if you are in California or you know somebody in California and, and their child has been diagnosed in the last year, please let them know um, because th this isn't going to cost them anything, um, is a great use of someone's time. I really know that when you get all done with this study, I feel very strongly that you're going to see that helping a parent to know what they're facing is going to help to help them to get to better progress for their child. I believe it's going to help reduce stress. I believe that this is going to be something that becomes really a regular expectation that insurance will see that this is really important. I do want to say that I, I sing this song all the time that when my child was getting ready to start ABA, it was before there was insurance reform. And I lived in the state of California, and we had some. We still have the regional centers, but the regional centers at that time would fund an ABA program for you, but you had to jump through hoops first. You first had to go to a, a college location, and you had to sit there for a two-hour presentation about ABA. And then once you did that, you had to sign in, and then you got signed up to do a 16-hour class a 16-hour class, and you could not get funding for ABA until you had, and it wasn't just you, both parents had to be present for a 16-hour in-person class, and you could not get funding until you did that. And listen, I was hot about it. I was like, this is some, think of all the asterisks. I was ticked. And I was like, do you understand how hard it is for my husband and I to be someplace for 16 hours without our child? I had to have a friend come and visit from New York to be with my child so that I could go to the 16-hour class. And now I say all the time, it was the best thing in the world because I was prepared for what was coming. And we had a good outcome. So... Um, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, this is, is a great compromise because eight hours virtual and you're taking it. I was lucky that the group I was in, they talked about what it felt like for the parents. I don't think that a lot of them did. Um, so I think it's amazing. Uh, Autism Journey with Elijah wants to know how long does it take to get the results from your study? You and I were talking about this. When, what's, the, what's the timeline? of what this looks like, Cassie. 
Yes, so the um, our first groups are completed. And so we're actually going to have a study coming out, hopefully in this year, we're writing it now, about how the program was developed and what we found with um, doing those first groups and making adjustments based on parent feedback. So that will hopefully be out very soon. We always have to see how long it takes journals and all that scientific processing. But for this new study that we're recruiting for, we're going to be recruiting all throughout 2024. And we're hoping that we'll be able to start writing that paper about this time next year in 2025 um, to show the results. And so those are, you know, the scientific results that'll help us with um, getting, expanding it beyond California, helping put it in a more common clinical setting for insurance can cover it. And so we're hoping to turn this around fairly soon. Um, we're just hoping to help as many parents as we can through the research process while we're developing an, into a larger program. I'm curious what feedback you got from the parents that, that you adjusted. Are you able to tell us? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of it was um, technicality. So a big, well, as you mentioned, um, it can be really challenging for parents to attend something without their children, even virtually. Yeah. And so some of the adjustments we made is that they it used to be one and a half hour for six weeks. And parents were saying, I can occupy my kid for one hour. Once we get past that, it gets a little dicey. So we adjusted the time and the length to fit more what parents were saying. Um, another tip that we got was that any information we were sharing in those sessions, um, parents were saying it's really hard to take notes and then also participate. And so we've developed handouts and worksheets with all of that great backpack information that parents can have and take home so that they can really engage in the topics of sessions rather than having to write down every piece of information to have for later. Love it. And so those are a few of those things that we got. I mean, for the most part, parents really liked what we were talking about. We've expanded some conversations. So another example is one brief conversation we had the first time was helping parents learn how to talk about autism to their family members, to teachers, to all sorts of people that they're faced with sharing that information with in their day-to-day -day life. Parents told us that that was a really important conversation to them and that they wanted more of that. And so we dedicated more time in the group to think about those um, topics, about how they want to present their child to the world and how they want to help other people be successful and have nice interactions with their family. I love that. I, I love that. I don't know that that would have occurred to me. So I absolutely love hearing that. Now we started to talk about, because there are some aspects of the study that are important to, that we, that you disclose, correct? So tell us a little bit about what, how that works. I'm sorry, uh, how, which part the works? Study, because, because some oh, yes, people start and some people are delayed, correct? Yes, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so every single person who enrolls in the study will get access to the group. Some parents are going to begin immediately. So as soon as they start, everyone's gonna have the data collection and then some people will go right into the group. Another half of the group that'll be randomly assigned is going to start after a delay about eight weeks. And the reason we do that is so we can see what, how parents stress, how their confidence changes over time, whether they had the group or whether they didn't. Yeah. 
some studies then just ended there. But as I said, it's our priority to make sure that fam we're able to support as many families as possible. So after that second data collection, the other half will receive access to the group and um, get the program. Yeah, which is lovely and, and ethical. It's, it's what you need to be able to do to show that, you know, uh, the difference between the two, but you're making sure that everybody gets it, which is really, really wonderful. So we're, we're, we're getting, we're running out of time here, but I, I just wanted to stop for just a second and say, Cassie, why did you choose this? Why was this important to you? Well, as I mentioned before, I've been working within this community for a long time. I started as a volunteer. I've done, um, I've done ABA therapy. I've been a therapist. I've been a diagnostician. I've been a researcher. And what I've really found is that as a field, there's so much information about autism. And in terms of the parent community, there's so much passion for their families and there was just a disconnect between what we know and what we allow families to know that just I just couldn't contend with. It was very frustrating to me that there is so much easy to grasp information for parents that we have access to, that parents are so passionate about their families, so passionate about doing right by their children, that if we were just able to connect families with this information, they would um, be able to kind of go forth and do what they needed to do despite the challenges of navigating services. And so to me, the solution was after talking to several different um, practitioners, after talking to researchers, after talking to a lot of autistic adult advocates, that they're just having a place where parents can learn reliable information, have a conversation out loud with other people about how that might apply to them, that that could do so, so much good on the ground level for families um, before they're able to access the whole treasure trove of information that we know. Yeah. And so what it boils down to is that just a little bit of help really can go a long way. And it to me, it just felt like something that needed to be real and needed to happen so that more families were more confident and didn't need as much time to support their child and their families in the way that was authentic to their values. Yes, I, I can't tell you how much I respect the journey that you're on um, because I, I feel like you get it, Cassie. And that's a high compliment for me because I, you know, I thought that when we had insurance funding for autism that it was just gonna be this big exciting thing. But so much of what happened that went wrong was that people missed exactly what you're talking about. There was this assumption that somehow in their sleep, parents were going to download what was important information about, about autism. And, and so they were offered therapies without being told, here's why, and here's what you should know about it, and here's how you should take advantage of it, and here are different choices that it's not one path for everybody, that there are choices that you can make based on your family and your individual child, and that you are not a pariah if you make a different choice than what everybody else is making. Um, so I love that you are doing this, and, and I love, 
I, we, you know, the, the, the terms informed consent get talked about all the time. And I'm always saying, but, but is it really informed? Is it really informed? Can we inform these people? They're smart people. If they knew the things that you guys know, it would be a kind of, you know, it would be much easier for them to make informed choices. So I, I love that you're doing this. But they're also, it seems to me, both with Dr. Tarbox and a lot of what's happening at USC is a level of discussion about mindfulness um, and consent and uh, assent and looking at people as individuals and not as subjects. Um, is the, and I, I see this in your work as well. Do you want to take just a second to talk about that? Yes, I would love to. This topic is so important because um, one of the things that many families said is that people would just give them advice that just had no application to them, didn't apply to them. There's generally in the psychology world, there's been a movement taken on where we're really caring about what's important to people. And as you said, letting them make choices, empowering them to make choices based on what is important. And this is especially so important when we're talking about autism, because we want to make sure that autistic folks are living their most authentic lives. We're not really worried about what society is expecting of them. We're worried about what do they need to live the life that they want to live, even if it looks a little bit different. And by focusing on those core values, by focusing on what the family cares about as a whole is a really useful compass in deciding what actually is worth focusing on and what is something that I think I'm supposed to be focusing on but isn't really that important. And so those conversations around individuality are, are happening more and more and they really help families you know, feel fulfilled in their work, in their time. Absolutely. Uh, Autism Journey with Elijah wants to know how would they, because they have their own show, they would like to share your information with their families. If people want to get in contact with you, as mm -hmm. opposed to the study, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Through the same information as the study? Yeah, and they also can reach out to my email as well. Um, I can say it out loud. You might have it <laughs> handier. I'm happy to spell it out. But uh, definitely you can email the email that was on the flyer. You can go to our website. My email is on there, and I'm also happy to share my email. Okay. Yeah, so down at the bottom, you can see it's a little blurry. I know it's autismfs.lab at gmail.com. And our website, the Dornsife USC website, will have my personal email on it as well. Um, I would love to talk to as many people as possible about getting the word out there for the study. So um, please reach out. I'm happy to send people information. I'm happy to join meetings, talk about the study. Um, our goal is really to get this information out there and help as many families as we can through this research process. So please feel free to reach out. When you're done and you've got all the, the study information and you can prove that this is beneficial, do you see a workbook in the end? Do you see a, you know, virtual classes for everybody across the country? What, do, have you given any thought to that, Cassie? Yes, that is something <laughs> that, that I've thought a lot about. It's, that's another priority to me is making sure when we're developing these interventions, they become real. And so we are working on the workbook. Uh, we probably will do a little research to see if it's helpful in and of itself. 
And our hope is that once we establish it scientifically that this is a helpful program, that we'll be able to offer this through community centers, we'll be able to work on trainings. I'm working with a different researcher who's really focused on implementation practices to try to make this a real program that families can get hopefully from the same places they're getting diagnoses. So it's a seamless diagnosis, stand information onto all the supports and services they will continue to get. So that is our hope. Well, Cassie, you are an amazing individual. Um, when you're when you're all done and you're fully PhD'd and all of that, do you think, or do you think you're going to go more the research route? Where do you, where do you see yourself? And we're not going to hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I love research. I love my research specifically because it allows me to work with families and to work with individuals. That part has always been so important to me, and so. What I hope to do is to continue serving families through being a therapist, through being a diagnostician, and then also continuing research. Uh, so much of the study came from what I learned from clinical practice out in the world. And I think having the combination of interacting with families and research to help is really um, what I hope to do and continue to do so I can keep finding creative ways to fill in those gaps and support families with what the reality is with what they need. Wonderful. And tell me if this is too personal, but your sibling that's on the spectrum, do you, are you guys close? Oh, yes, definitely. I love that. <laughs> um, he's um, also in the working world, very busy and stuff, but um, we like to, we chat quite a bit and hang out a lot. I love that. I love yeah. that. Cassie, if I could clone you, I would. If, if we had a million more of you in the world, the world would be a much better place. Uh, but we'll take you, um, and we're appreciative for all that you're doing. Uh, we want to say again, if you are living in the state of California and you have a child who has been diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder in the last year, you are eligible for this program. It is free to you. It is an eight-week virtual program. Um, you can, uh, we're going to put a, uh, a link, a longer link, you, and hopefully you can see some of those other things, but uh, there is a longer link. This is also the link, for those of you who are listening, is in the description for the show, that you should be able to just click it in the description for the show. And you can register that way. You can also ask other questions. Uh, definitely a good use of your time. It's just an hour each day for eight, you know, one day a week for eight weeks, uh, virtual and a wonderful, wonderful use of your time to pack your backpack for the journey and be successful. Cassie, any last thoughts? Oh, well, I just so appreciate you having me on to share this information. Um, we hope to help so many more families um, in this next year. And I just look forward to interacting with some of your viewers. That's all. I'm just so appreciative of being here and so appreciative of the work you do as well. Well, we're appreciative of you. Say hi to everybody there, including Dr. Tarbox for us. And, <laughs> and I hope uh, that your study goes strong and that you, that you get the right people because uh, we can't wait until you're all published and can help more people. Great. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cassie. Have a good day. Thanks, bye. Uh, 
so remarkable. I love the energy of the young people in this field. It's just it just such an exciting thing. Uh, I want to give just, we've got just a couple of minutes left. Um, I want to give a couple of programming notes. So tomorrow we are scheduled to do a live Ask Dr. Doreen with Dr. Doreen Grampichet here in the studio. We're going to try to play the recording that they did uh, for those of you who joined us late. The last show of the year that we were all set to do, and there were so many things and surprises. I had put together one of those prize boxes that the boxes, you open it up and all these boxes fly out. Um, and normally they do it with dollar bills in, or some form of money in between. And instead, you guys sent notes for Dr. Grampiche that I included in. And then I was sick. Uh, and so I wasn't here, but I had them, I didn't want her to have to wait for her gift because I knew how meaningful it would be to her. Um, so, uh, I had them record her opening it. We're going to try to play that video so you guys can see, but it meant so much to her, your notes, you guys. Uh, so we're going to try to include that, but the topic tomorrow is talking about autism diagnosis, which is a very important topic. Um, and it, means different things to different people at different phases in their life, right? You might have a 15-year-old who is just now getting a diagnosis, or you might be at the beginning with a toddler looking at the diagnosis. It's a very different thing. Um, so we're going to be talking about diagnosis, and I know it's a very important topic to Dr. Grampiche because a lot of you are going and getting the diagnosis and and reporting back, I don't know whether it's in your report or where the disconnect is, but you're coming back with a one number and there should be two numbers, which are very important for that per person's path. So Dr. Grampiche is going to be talking about that and answering questions that you guys have about that and other things as well. Then on Wednesday, we are doing, for the first time in a long time, we're doing Let's Talk Movies with Moira and Shannon. Moira Giamatteo from Taka will be here. We'll talk about some Taka tap, uh, topics. I can't say that. Taka topics. There we go. Uh, and sharing some of the movies that we have been watching, some of which have to do with our community. Uh, so we'll be here for that, and that will be really exciting. Um, and we've got some big, big shows planned for January. So, uh, so glad to be back and to have enough vo voice finally. You can still hear it a little bit, but I'm, I'm glad to be here with all of you again because this was one of the things that I missed. So thank you guys for being here and being part of the show. I hope that if you are in California that you will reach out to Cassie and that if you're not in California and you're like, oh, I could have used this or I have a friend that could use this, um, that, you know, let's hopefully find resources for you where you are. Uh, wonderful. All right, you guys, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. If you found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time.